everyone. Welcome to the Shine a Light On podcast. Today we'll be shining a light on public speaking for STEM students with Chinmai. Welcome, Chinmai. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. Very, very excited to chat with you about this topic today. We both were in STEM at some point in our lives, so I know it hits close to home for both of us. To get started, though, do you mind giving us a brief introduction to who you are? Absolutely. So my name is Chinmai, as was mentioned, and I'm currently a undergraduate sophomore studying neuroscience and medical humanities at Columbia in New York City, though I am home right now due to the pandemic. As I mentioned, I'm studying neuroscience. and I'm a huge neuroscience nerd, both in terms of learning about it personally, engaging with neuroscience outreach and getting more young students our ages involved in the field and promoting a more collaborative, inclusive environment. So most of that I do through leading a nonprofit organization that's called Simply Neuroscience. I ended up founding it unintentionally. It was actually grown out of a blog, but it really grew and I've dedicated a lot of my time to building it over the past almost two years. But outside of that, I'm a researcher and aspiring science communicator, and we're going to be talking about public speaking today. So I'm excited to share about that. Yes, thank you so much for sharing a bit about your story. Obviously, the topic is public speaking in general. So why are we chatting about it today? And and what's so important about it? I think this is going to sound so cliche, but you know how all the employers these days are like, oh, our new career force, our workforce needs to be built and equipped to be on their toes. They need to be effective communicators. They need to really be able to convey their thoughts and their work to clients, other colleagues and whatnot. And I think that as young folks, I mean, we're Gen Z, right? And as Gen Z folks, it's really important that we're kind of the jack of all trades when it comes to representing ourselves and sharing the work that we do with the world. Public speaking, I mean, there's kind of the formal means of being in kind of one of those public speakers who you might be hire to speak at conferences and go around the country. In pre-COVID times, you go to school assemblies and speak in person and things like that. But I think at the core, just in our everyday lives too, public speaking could be getting up in front of your class on Zoom and chatting, giving your presentation, and even just hosting a workshop for younger folks, whether it be five or 500 people. And it's really important in just being able to, like I mentioned, convey yourself as truly as possible and share your story. I love that. And I feel like I find that people who are typically public speakers or open to it, they have certain traits about them. I don't know if you notice this as well, but maybe they're they're wittier or just like kind of always ready to respond, always part of the conversation, don't really like try to hide away. So how do you think public speaking in general plays a role in one's ability to communicate? Right. Yeah, no, I definitely have seen that trend or I don't know, correlation, causation, who knows, but (laughs) it feels like a lot of the public speakers that I know in my life too are very extroverted and they're outgoing. And it seems like they don't have butterflies in their stomach ever when they step in front of a room. I don't really think that's the case for a lot of folks. I mean, there's obviously some people who are just natural, like they control the stage so well, but there's also a lot of people who practice to be public speakers. That's why we have so many like public speaking one-on-one courses. I mean, I personally am very much an introvert and a lot of folks don't think that, especially when I'm hosting workshops and being super active and bubbly and energetic. I think one thing that happens for us is when we really get to talk about something we love, that we just get to be more open and active and have fun about it. But I think certainly getting to that point of being able to just put yourself in front of every conversation or take the stage, take the spotlight without having those little blurries in your stomach or that shake in your voice is not something that for usual, you know, students like us or just young grads, young employees is something that comes naturally, I would say. 
No, I definitely agree. And I think no matter the number of speaking engagements I do in my lifetime, I'll always be nervous. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I, I know some people are just so good at it. But yes, thank you for sharing that. That's that's the first myth we will debunk today that you don't have to be an extrovert to be a public speaker. Moving on to the next point, any human, as we know, can be shy or an introvert or dislike public speaking. It's, I think it's very common, actually. So why are we focused on STEM students today? Yeah, sir. That's the important question. Another myth we can debunk is that it's only entrepreneurs or super influential people like life coaches and things like that. But it doesn't necessarily have to be. I don't know why, but Bill Nye just came to mind as a public speaker. <laughs> My childhood memories. I think people in STEM and even Dr. Fauci right now we see is just such an eloquent, poised public speaker and so crucial right now. Of course, those science-based public speakers are folks that we usually think of as the experts. We go to them as references. They're way, you know, older folks in their careers. But for science students, it's not necessarily something that is built in, instilled in them at a young age compared to, let's say, folks who are going into business or entrepreneurship, or they're always talking about what goes into the perfect elevator pitch, or how do I really sell my idea as well? But for science kids, it's more of just like, do the research first, go to class, learn about biology and chemistry and physics and whatnot, and then go into the lab, do research, write a paper about it, and then we'll see what the next steps are in terms of sharing that with your colleagues and whatnot. Those kinds of skills are not made accessible to us as STEM students, which I think really contributes to that endless cycle of why we're so shy to put ourselves out there and talk about our work. It's kind of a mix of imposter syndrome, not having the skills, and just a fear of not being as equal or capable of other folks that we see. Definitely. And I think this is wild because, first of all, there's so many STEM-related conferences, right? So you, you need to go up and present your work. And luckily, at conferences, though, typically the people in the audience, they know you're talking about. Like, there's not much of a need to sort of say it in different words that most people understand. Code switch, essentially. I don't want to get your thoughts on this too. Maybe this is a hot take for, for the Shine a Light on podcast, but I think that people in STEM must be the best public speakers because not only do they have to tell people their ideas, but they have to code switch it in a way that that person will understand. Because STEM is complicated, you know. <laughs> STEM is so complicated that they have to essentially translate it as well. What are your thoughts on this? Honestly, I'm here for that hot take. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There's all these protein names, for instance, in a lot of previous project that I did. And, and I would just tell, okay, people, like, there's this protein called PGC1-alpha. And folks would be like, okay, what is this PGC1-alpha? And I'm like, I honestly can't even remember the full name of that. So yeah, the jargon and just being able to break down jargon, first of all, and then translate that to you know the general public, but then also go a step further and be like, do all the steps necessary that an entrepreneur would do and be like, this is important. Here's why this applies. I like to think of it as an entrepreneur and a politician and a scientist together is like the perfect epitome of what science public speaking has become today because you really need to have all of those different aspects and skill sets. So you know what? I'm honestly here for it. Scientists are the stellar speakers. <laughs> I'd love to know at this point, now that we've sort of defined why we're talking about STEM students and why we're talking about public speaking in particular, what are your personal experiences with public speaking? Were you ever bad at it? Are you good at it now? And we can dive in later about what makes a bad or good public speaker, but let's talk, let's talk about you a little bit first. 
I honestly don't really even know. <laughs> and I started out with public speaking. It may have just been that presentations in front of class that I mentioned. I think that we all get our feet wet in. Looking back, I remember it was part of kind of a summer program and there was these, it was called a GridX talk. I think it was something about innovation, technology, research. So it was one of those spotlights and I was giving a talk about what it means to be different and not fit in, whether it be for your looks or for your, your accent or your beliefs. Um, and looking back, I mean, I think for, I don't remember how old I was then, maybe like 14, 15. It was pretty solid. I was super nervous <laughs> as to be expected. But obviously, I think just the virtue of being young and not as aware of the world, looking back, I think the content could have been much, much better. But I think in terms of being bad, I don't really know if there's, I mean, if you were being a very controversial person or you were making your audience upset or people were falling asleep, then perhaps those are characteristics of a bad public speaker. But I think most of us start out as being pretty neutral. And because, I mean, nervousness, for instance, it might prevent us from not being able to fully share our ideas on stage. But that doesn't mean that we don't have our work prepared. It just takes practice. And so for a lot of folks, it's either they start with the content, but they're great presenters or they're they're really solid content wise. It's kind of like a vice versa. So maybe like the truest way to define bad would be like, I totally failed at my content. I don't know what I'm talking about, but just words are coming out of my mouth and they sound okay. I would say when I was younger, I would consider myself maybe <laughs> not super great just because I think I could have strengthened my content a lot more and have more of that impactful drive. Kind of like how TED Talks are formatted where you can walk out and have that sort of big punch of this is why this is important is kind of the different part. And I, I still don't think that I'm, I'm no way <laughs> a perfect public speaker. I don't think I'll ever be perfect or, you know, it's like stellar, not like the level of Obama as a public speaker, for instance, no way. But I feel kind of content with where I'm at and where I'm growing into, I think, because now I'm not as fearful to get, you know, on a Zoom and present, but I'm more so just excited. Sometimes I'm nervous if I'm like, oh, I got a very tough question. I'm stumped by it. I need a minute to think about it. But it's kind of now a thrill of having that spontaneity, kind of a balance of preparation in advance, but also that spontaneity and at the end of the day, having fun and wanting to do it again. Definitely. And I I appreciate you saying like, you don't think you are. I think you are. I also think like just from this, this interaction that we're having right now that it kind of depends, right? Like it depends who's in the room. I feel like if you're chatting with people and you're comfortable, essentially you're like talking to a group of friends, then those people would probably say to you, you're a great public speaker, right? I guess the less connected you feel with the audience, then, then the more prone to being sort of a poor public speaker you are. That's very interesting. So thank you for chatting about your experiences a little bit. And I know you went into this question that a bit, but do you know of any patterns that sort of define a poor public speaker or a bad public speaker? I know for me in middle school, uh, we used to have to go up in front of the class and then our classmates would actually give us feedback on how we presented. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think as people, it's so easy for us to critique others when we see them doing, you know, something off with the way they're presenting. But then for us to be in their same shoes, we don't necessarily always take in that feedback, which is really interesting. It's like, like you said, it's kind of it's super flexible and it's very much varies from setting to setting for some folks to have that more raw emotional aspect being true if there's if they're you know stumbling over their words if they're taking some time to think and talk then that could just be that they're being honest about their responses and not sort of hiding behind a shield but I would definitely say I think what really stands out to me from like very influential speakers I mentioned Obama earlier you know both Barack and Michelle Obama I love their speaking styles and they're very much they're, they're always eager and ready to answer questions 
passions, but also it's kind of whatever uh, situation they're in, like you mentioned, whether they're with friends or with you know, those very high upper level government officials, it's like they're always able to communicate in a way that fits the tone in the right way. And it's not kind of a one size fits all method of speaking, which is I think super important because <laughs> our method of communication in the grocery store is not the same as when we're on stage and having just those fun chit chats. So I would say someone who's very rigid in that way and is kind of like giving the same exact speech each time, which is okay, but just not having any life to that would definitely be not the most ideal. Probably I define that as a bad speaker. That makes a lot of sense. It kind of goes back to this idea of code switching too that we were chatting about earlier. Since we're headed in this direction anyway, let's chat about maybe what makes a good public speaker, characteristics of a good public speaker. So it sounds like adaptability to your audience is one based on what you just said. Anything else come to mind? I think for sure resilience. I mean, there is always going to be at least that one person in the audience who's a naysayer, who's going to give you that tough question or be like, I don't think what you're trying to tell me about is right. And just having that resilience to, in that situation, not see that as kind of, this is the end of this, like this presentation sucks, but rather as, okay, there's this little bump in the road, but I can take this, I can respond to that audience member well, and I can make sure that I make this point clear or come across very clearly in my next speaking engagement or something like that. Because it's so easy to beat ourselves up. There's the common tip of, oh, you should practice recording yourself, maybe like with your phone camera or like speak into a mirror and see what you look like when you're speaking. And to me, I I really hated doing that. Um, I don't like watching videos of myself, previous speaking recordings and things like that. It's kind of the same joke of like people don't like to hear their recorded voicemails and things like that. People don't like listening to their voice because it's just so easy to be critical of oneself. But I think the good speakers take that in spirit because there's always going to be something to improve on, but it doesn't mean that you should completely reinvent yourself and adopt kind of this superficial personality or style of speaking that doesn't really reflect you at the end of the day. At the end of the day, if you're stumbling over your words or, you know, you, you have a stammer come in, you're, you're taking a lot of ums, you got some filler words and all those little minute details too. I think that's just natural for all of us. Even the most talented folks do it. Even the most experienced folks do it. It's just a whole spectrum of being comfortable. It always feels bad to define so many characteristics that are a bad speaker and then be like, oh, there's like just these ideals that you should strive to as a good one. The balance definitely between the two spectrums is, is really off. But I think at the end of the day, you should walk out of a session, feel that you got what you wanted to say out and people were receptive to it. I think that's all that's really important. No, that makes a lot of sense. So I know you mentioned a bit about practicing. In general, what do you think is the best way for people to get better at it? I have some of my own thoughts, but I'd love to hear yours too. I mean, I mentioned the recording and then playing it back to yourself. I'm not a big fan, but I definitely do try to do that at times if it's like big, important presentation. If it's for a class or like a student organization, I like to practice with friends. Or sometimes I just, when my mom's, I don't know, like cooking dinner or my dad's gardening or whatnot, I just go up to them and walk around (laughs) following with my script in hand and just talking to the air. It feels like you have someone there. Some people like their stuffed animals as their audience. One thing I found really useful is trying to practice as though like it is a day of or practicing with my slides versus without my slides, trying not to depend on anything really, making sure that my idea is ingrained into my own head, not just dependent on cards. Like posture wise too, sometimes I've noticed on Zoom, I wave my hands around a lot. I'm just an active person. And I think you can notice it a lot more because I'm not like standing up. We're not talking in person. So things like that, little quirks. 
with Zoom and the virtual landscape these days, I think it's just so much easier to be able to practice and just see playbacks and things like that. But honestly, it's just, there's sort of these generic ones, but then there's so many individualized feedback tips. What were the ones that you were mentioning? I'd love to hear. Well, it's nothing too special, nothing special. But the, the top thing that has helped me in my life is yes, presenting in front of people I, I know very well and trust, but also people I, I don't really know. I think that people who aren't as attached to you, like as a friend or a family member, they're more willing to criticize you essentially. So that has helped me in the past. That's That's all I was going to add. But I love the points that you made. One question that I know some people will hate potentially the answer to, but we we must talk about it. Is public speaking avoidable? (laughs) If you're going through school and college especially, I don't really know if you can avoid them. Now that I think about it, well, except for like the STEM lecture courses, but even for like bio lab, we still have small group discussions and presentations. I mean, it may just be one, literally one Google slide, but it's still a presentation. (laughs) I don't think it's really avoidable. Maybe avoidable in that you might just be speaking to your, you know, your, your small class groups, maybe 30, 40 people max. But I know for some people public speaking, they think, you know, they hear, oh, we're going to do public speaking in class. And it's like, you're speaking to a 500 person lecture course. And I have haven't really seen that too much. But at the end of the day, it's kind of now become the norm that it's an expected skill for people to have to be able to communicate like we were chatting about. So I don't think it's really avoidable seeing like the trend that (laughs) we're seeing among, you know, employment opportunities and medicine, academia and whatnot. So in some way, shape or form, it's always going to be there. Yes, I definitely agree. It also depends on how you define public speaking. Like public speaking might just be this concept in your head of having to chat with people outside of your own head. Like it sort of depends. So yeah, I don't think it's avoidable. I hate to tell the listeners, but I think everyone at some point must do it. (laughs) Absolutely. Glad we're talking about it today. And last question for you. Any last words of wisdom for people who need to work on their public speaking skills at all? I would say that it's so easy to get ourselves caught up in like, why am I not improving? I still feel maybe I've prepared so much, but I'm still so nervous when I hop up on that stage when it's time to go. I think at the end of the day, I mean, this is so cliche to say again, but we're all human and we all make mistakes. You can always find, you know, little flops and weird little, weird little kind of bloopers for any, literally any televised show or things like that, right? So even the most scripted actors make mistakes too. At the stage that we're currently at, I mean, we're still very young and earlier on in our careers. There's still many, many years ahead of us to improve and keep growing those skills. And I I definitely have felt the pressure to become an expert speaker by the next year and master that move on with my life. But it's not like that. You could do intensive training and still have always those tips to improve on. And especially as you kind of move into different career paths, we're always talking about the code switching, the jargon, things like this. Those are always going to keep evolving. It's a journey more so than a destination. And a success is, (laughs) a lot of people say that about success too, but maybe even public. We'll just calmly plagiarize it for, for public speaking. Yes, just for a moment. I definitely agree with you. Thank you a lot for that answer. And thank you again for joining us. It was great chatting with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to chat about public speaking. (laughs) So of course. And to anyone tuning in, thank you for joining us. As always at Opal, we shine brighter together and we'll see you next time.